Hey, I'm Alicia Bake. I'm Jen Greenfield. And I'm Jen Tifoni. VO Booth Besties listen to the questions you have. We find pros in the know to help you learn. And connect with our amazing VO community. Welcome, Welcome to, to VO, VO Booth, Booth Besties. Besties. Welcome, everyone, to VO Booth Besties. We're here to help working voice actors get your most important questions answered by industry pros who know. Each week, we have a new topic and a guest speaker who is an expert on that topic. Have you joined our weekly email list? Swing by BoothBesties.com and shoot us a message with your email, and we'll get you added. And if you hadn't, haven't joined our VO Booth Besties Facebook group, join us there, too. As usual, if you have a question as the interview goes on, simply drop it in the chat, and we'll do our best to fit it in. Now, without further ado, let's meet our panel. Over to you, JT. All right, let's start with Dave Fenoy. He has been doing voiceover for over three decades. And honestly, he's just done far too many commercials to mention. TV promos for all the major networks. He starred in cartoons including Pro Stars, Captain Planet, New Kids on the Block, and Star Wars Clone Wars. He's been the voice of God for the American and Billboard Music Awards, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences Governor's Awards, the Grammy Music Cares, and for 15 years, the voice of the NAACP Image Awards. He's played characters on more than 500 video games, been nominated for a BAFTA, which is the British Academy of Film and Television Arts, and won the Dice and Machinima, Machinima Awards for Best Performance in a Video Game. IMDb list includes him in their top 100 voice actors and named him one of the 20 best male game voices of all time. <laughs> wow. And we have Terry Briscoe, who is an award-winning on-camera actor and voice actor based in the Washington, D.C. area. He is a father of three beautiful daughters and a husband of 18 years. He is a singer, rapper, and has lent his voice to Paul Mass and Brandy, multiple characters in the Dad Bod of Destiny podcast, Space TV, Breakers World video game, and is most proud to be the voice of the National MS Society's Pathways to Cures campaign. He was the recipient of the 2022 Inspiration Award from the National MS Society, a 2022 Political Pixie Gold Award with an ensemble cast for Proposition 2 in Vermont, officially abolishing slavery in the state constitution, and the 2023 Carol Joy Memorial Scholarship Award. He has also been a supporting actor in four movies and won the 2023 WMIFF Best Supporting Actor in the Washington, D.C. area for his role of Lion of in Lion of Judah Legacy. Up next, having lent her voice to distinguished brands and organizations like the Smithsonian, Walmart, Ulta Beauty, and the Department of Labor, Shaquana Bell is no stranger to delivering compelling narratives that captivate audiences. But it's not just the accolades or the big names that define her. It's her genuine love for learning, laughing, and making the difference. This ethos is reflected in her choice of projects, primarily those that align with her personal goals of education, entertainment, and empowerment. When she's not breathing life into scripts from her booth, Shaquana can be found on the tennis courts, delving into the latest self-improvement book, or cherishing moments with her loved ones. Next up, Brooklyn native Geddes Gibbs Jr. has been working as a voiceover actor and part-time puppeteer since 2017. He specializes in animation, audiobooks, commercials, e-learning, promos, and video games. But he especially loves creating character voices for animation and performing puppets. His most recent animation debut was on Marcelo Bartaro's indie cartoon project called The Pranking Squirrels and The Gopher Brothers in 2019. And finally, we have Michael Scott. Michael is an accomplished actor who works on screen in film, television, commercials, and in nearly every genre of voiceover. 
He's worked with some of the best-known brands and networks in the world, including Warner Brothers, DreamWorks, HBO, Fox, CNN, Netflix, Disney, Hulu, Spotify, Riot Games, Apple, Lego, McDonald's, Heineken. Made it through the list on one breath, and many others. He's best known for Damon in the award-winning video game Wildflowers, as well as a wide range of characters in Street Fighter VI, Battlefield, League of Legends, Monster Hunters, Genshin Impact, Resident Evil, The Walking Dead, Trails of Mana, and more. Michael began his career making film, ah, his career making television and radio commercials for the military during his 20 years of service in the U.S. Army. He is also a college professor, musician, entrepreneur, and a board member of the National Association of Voice Actors, NAVA. Michael grew up in Compton, California, and is passionate about mentoring at-risk youth through opportunities in arts and education. Over to you, NJ. Holy moly. That was a lot of amazing credits, my friends. That was outstanding. Thanks to all of you for joining us today. We are very excited to talk about Black voices in the voiceover community. This is going to be a fantastic panel with some incredible talent. And I know it's going to be a great learning experience for folks in the audience, too. Guys, down below, uh, as we go along, start pinging people into this room. It's going to be absolutely fascinating. So, Dave, welcome. You want to unmute yourself, bottom right-hand corner? And there it is. Hey, how you doing, Dave? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Good. I missed you. I missed you at the conference. Oh, boy. I saw so <laughs> many uh, great pictures of so many friends hanging out with so many other friends and uh, being nominated, getting awards, and I just felt like I should have been there. Oh, it's all right. No, and it, it, yeah, it's all right. It's all right. You were there in spirit. We know it. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dave... I would like to start with you. Um, you have, you really are our VOV, right? Our real VO uh, veteran in this group. And I'm curious if you would share with us, when it comes to Black voices in VO, what did the industry look like 30 years, 30 more, more than 30 years ago when you started compared to now? What, what kind of changes are you seeing? Well, uh, if you were Black uh, and you were doing voiceover, it tended to be black specific um in commercials you were almost delegated to or relegated to uh ethnic commercials black hair care products black music products concerts uh things that the black community would be interested in when i got into the business um i wanted have no problem doing ethnic work, love it. And some of my proudest work doing things like uh, Voice of the NAACP Image Awards uh, for about 15 years. Uh, but I also wanted to do general market work. And uh, it was a little difficult uh, back then. Uh, I remember times, I had an audition years ago, this was in the 90s uh, for a cartoon, it was Spider Man. Um, and I got a call back for Spider-Man. Well, I had done my original audition at my agent's office and, uh, you know, the world was not as visible then as it is now. Uh, you want to see somebody, you look them up, you find them on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or someplace, uh, uh, Instagram. Uh, that just wasn't the world. And I didn't put my picture on my materials because I didn't want to pe people to say, oh, he's black, let's relegate him to just this kind of work. 
But I went to this uh, Spider-Man callback. And when the producers saw me walk in the room, you could see the surprise and almost, uh, I didn't hear exactly what they were saying uh, because uh, their talk back mic wasn't on, but it was almost like, oh, we didn't know he was black. Jeez, uh, I don't think we can have a black Spider-Man. Well, let him audition and uh, we'll just, you know, we'll we'll find somebody else. Um, Those kinds of things would happen to you. if they said we're looking for an American, an all-American voice, you knew it wasn't you. Uh, I'll tell you one other story. Um, I was doing promos for ABC, and uh, one of the producers uh, said, well, look, uh, Muhammad Ali is having his 50th birthday. We're going to do a, a special Muhammad Ali's 50th birthday. You're the perfect person to do the promos for it. I did the promos. Uh, they loved them. And then one of the suits... Uh, you know, somebody not in the building where you actually do the work, but uh, off, you know, crunching numbers or something, heard the spot and called up. So, yeah, I kind of like that spot. Who Who is that guy? I don't think I've heard him on, on ABC before. And it's, oh, it's Dave Fennoy, uh, young black guy, Justin. T- black? Well, um, oh, we don't want him on that. I mean, he sounds good, but we don't want him on that because we don't want people to think that this is a black thing. We want... We want the general market to uh, join in and enjoy uh, Muhammad Ali's 50th birthday. And if we have a black guy, they'll think it's a black thing. And the producer called me and told me this. He was very apologetic. Uh, he, it wasn't like he wasn't on my side. He had been the, my champion uh, in, in doing this. You know, well, they're just, you know, they're going to go with another voice uh, because they're afraid that if it's a black voice, People think it's a black thing and we want a general market thing. I said, well, okay, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, since that's the case, you've got some black shows coming on. Let me do those. Oh, well, if it's a black show and you're black, then then it's really looking like we're looking for. So I, I said, well, basically, you're trying to tell me I can't work. And the guy hadn't really thought about what he was saying. Uh, after that, I got a lot of work out of ABC for a while. But uh the consciousness of most of the industry has changed. Uh, I think what we think of voice uh, is now a variety and not only uh, black, uh, but black and female uh, and not only black female, but female in general, women were not getting a lot of uh, voiceover work in a lot of areas as well then. So, these folks were telling you, we're not hiring you because you're black. I mean, yeah. there wasn't there wasn't a subtle, a whisper, an email you accidentally saw. They well, you were know, vocally yeah, I, telling you. I, yeah, I'm gonna, and let me say this. It's the kind of racism uh, that we black people see all the time from people who don't think of themselves as racist who, if uh, they were asked, they would say, oh, no, I'm an ally. But they've been poisoned like everybody else with the racism of this country. Things that they are doing that are racist, attitudes they have that are racist, that they don't even know they have. And if you point it out to them, oh, no. Uh, But it's true. You can't grow up in this and not have uh, some be poisoned by the racism. It's it's not affecting you every minute of every day. But I promise you, 
we all are affected. We are all infected. It is. It is our culture. I mean, that's <laughs> it's just part of it. So let me jump over to Michael. We got him in here. Uh, Michael, bottom right hand corner is your unmute button. If you can find that. Hey, there you are. Sorry for the delay. That was technical difficulty. No, we started with Dave and I actually want to pass it over to you because you're our second longest. uh, You've been in the business um, a while. What I asked Dave was when it comes to black voices in VO, at your point in starting what did the industry look like for you compared to now? Um, well, luckily I had people like Dave pave the way so that it was easier to enter. Um, I would definitely say it was more difficult to get jobs because this was pre, you know, you could be a black character on a show and not be black. And Obviously, a lot of that has changed now. So it's been difficult to navigate how to move forward at times because you still have people fighting that idea. And, And I'll give you a specific example. You know, when The Little Mermaid came out and I just felt like, damn, we can't have anything. You know, she's a fictional character. It's a mermaid. And they made her black and it just it just blew up to all this controversy. Um, And and that's the world we still live in. So I think that it's the change to answer your question has been now that there are essentially rules against it, it. My problem is the people that still fight against that basic idea that we want characters of color to be portrayed by authentic characters of color. You're leading me into something that, you know, it's a big question for a lot of people. It's a hard topic, but I, it was really impactful for our family. I know as far as discussions and really a turning point uh, in the world, certainly in the United States, but I'm curious where you see, you know, you say now for me, I want to know is now post George Floyd's murder or were you seeing inclusion and diversity starting to happen before then? Or was there a huge leap after that? Maybe I should say it that way. Did it impact the entertainment industry? Oh, there was a definitely a huge leap after that. I think the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement in itself tremendously helped um, bring awareness to the issues we deal with in the entertainment industry as a whole and the world as a whole. But specifically with voiceover, and I'll give you specific examples, characters that were on The Simpsons, characters that were on Family Guy, you know, these huge uh, shows that have been on 30, 25, 30 plus years had to recast their characters um, so that they they had authentic African-American or black actors play them. And that would not have happened, in my opinion, without the shift of the George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement and all the things that followed that because it was just business as usual um, prior to that. And um, that that turning point made it aware and, and good job to the studios who stepped up for that. And interestingly, I didn't know how I felt about it at first, just in all honesty, in terms of this person created the character, let's say Cleveland Brown, right? This person created the character, made him popular, made him famous, uh, voiced by a white actor. And I was like, should that person be grandfathered in since they created that character? 
and then moving forward, all characters of color be voices black. And I was like, why should I even have to decide or debate that in my head? Like it should have always kind of been this way, you know? Um, um, and, and I think that's the difficulty we deal with now is how do we move forward? And in my opinion, it's, it's making sure that authentic voices are voiced by um, people of color. And I, I apologize for my voice. It was a crazy weekend at voice, uh, uh, one voice. So sorry, I'm all raspy for anyone listening. But in short, I think that we are talking as voice actors. It doesn't have, it, it needs to be more than just the voice actors. Diversity and inclusion needs to be across the board. I should know five to 10 black voice directors, five to 10 black uh, voice agents and coaches and producers. And, you know, and it's hard to name that. It's so hard to name. You know, a lot of times I'm now at a point in my career where I get to go on panels and be on boards and, and be a part of conferences. And the conversations often, oh, let's get some black directors or black, whatever the subject matter is. And we struggle to find them. We struggle to find them in 2023, um, people of color in positions of power. And so not just the, you know, the CEOs, the producers, I'm talking about everywhere, but it's a start. The George Floyd uh, transition, the Black Lives Matter um, was a starting point to move forward to where we want to be as opposed to where we were, if you go back historically, where, you know, you had blackface and Sambo and all the the hyper misrepresentations of African and African-American culture and, and many other cultures, Native American, the list goes on and on. So I think we're moving in the right direction now, but that was definitely the turning point. Excellent. Terry, I want to bring you into the conversation. Michael did a great job. <laughs> he threw me some softballs and didn't even know it. So, um, <laughs> so, Terry, what do you say to people who think it's unfair to only offer jobs to certain races or gender identification or sexual orientation? Like, we're all behind a microphone, so who would know? Like, what difference does it make? If I can act, if I can put on a voice, and accent. So we're talking about inclusion. We're talking about diversity. We're talking about um, representation. But you can't see me. Like Dave said, when he first got started, he didn't even put his face on his website because he didn't want to be identified that way. And really, none would be the wiser. So what do you say to people that say, well, they shouldn't just say only black voices can apply for this job? I say I think those people have trouble with math. When you look at who is creating the shows, who is casting the shows, who is deciding who goes on rosters, when you look at voiceover rosters, the numbers are staggering in one direction. So you're not even going to get the opportunity to be on something. So that 15 to 20 percent of characters that they're writing in shows that are African-American characters, why should they not go to African-American actors when many of those other characters you won't even get a chance to audition for? And it's the majority of the characters. We're just now starting to see things being created. And uh, to piggyback on what Michael said um, after the George Floyd incident, we're starting to see more actual creators come forward now that are black creators. And of course, people create things that are familiar to them. They create stories based upon their cultural heritage. More of the characters are likely to be black in those shows, thereby just giving you more opportunity, just period. So let's make this go both ways. So 
Uh, Shaquana, let me bring you in. Um, you would audition for, obviously, if there was an audition for, they're looking for black voice. Are you auditioning for everything? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I am. I am. But I, I will say one thing that I sometimes notice about projects that specifically ask for African-American or black voices, sometimes the budget is lower. And I wonder, is the budget lower because you're asking for a black person or is the budget lower because you just have a lower budget? I mean, I guess my preference would be tell me or ask me what my quote is. Like, I can give you a quote and then you let me know, listen, this is our budget. Can you negotiate? Can you work with us? Rather than, because if you see something and it says, we're looking for a black woman, we want you to work on, I don't know, a five minute video, we'll pay you $125. It's easy to just be like, no, I'm not doing that. But it's also like, sometimes in your brain, you're kind of like, is that how much you're telling me my work is worth? Or is that just your budget? Because sometimes people are like, well, we have to cast four people and we only have $500 total. So that's why we have to pay each person 125. But that's not clear in the beginning. So let's have a conversation before you're just like, we need a black person. We have $125. So let me clarify this. Are, is this coming from black creatives? Or that's not part of this conversation. You're just finding that jobs come through and it appears at least that the budgets aren't as high. It's not because you're trying to support other black actors or black creatives and you're not sure if they have the budget. Am I saying that right? It's I mentioned this because you said, am I auditioning for everything? But generally, I'm not seeing 125 when you're not saying you're looking for black. But I will see 125 when they are looking for black. Now, obviously, not all the time. Sometimes it is. 500 or whatever it should be. But when it says black, sometimes it's a lot lower than it should be. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So uh, now I want to go, oh, JT. So when you see that, it, is that a conversation that you start with them? Like, will you still apply for the job and just ask them, you know, is it, is it a budgetary issue or will you, I mean, I, I do this too. I'll see a project that I want to audition for and the budget's low. And so in my, in my proposal, I'll say my suggested rate is based on the GBA rate guide and here's what it should be. Is that a conversation you have with them? Not all the time because it, sometimes it gets ex exhausting. Like, <laughs> you don't, you don't want to have the conversation every single time. Right. Like you do it once or twice, but then it's just like, I'm just going to audition for something else that has a budget in line with what I feel is correct. Like you can't, you can't educate everybody. It's if I, if I'm, if I'm sending messages like that to every single person, I'll probably never audition. That, that would be my job at that point. You would never, <laughs> ever work. <laughs> exactly. Can, can, I, can I jump in for a moment? Please, Dave. Uh, Shaquan, it sounds like the kinds of jobs that, that you are talking about are probably coming through pay to play sites. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, two different worlds we're living in, pay-to-play sites and the agent world. Uh, and although uh, there's been attack on salaries of voiceover people for the last uh, 10 or 15 years, um, people who are have agents or union are holding more of a line than those who are doing the pay-to-play sites. And it's not just 
black work that is being offered at, at rates that are ridiculous. Uh, it's work in general. And we are part of a greater society that uh, is at war with the ownership producer class, uh, sadly to say, which is why actors in Los Angeles are on strike from television shows and movies and the writers are on strike. And this is a war that we all have to have. Um, and unfortunately, the pay-to-play sites are not on our side. Uh, they are providing a service. They're getting money from their clients. They're getting money from us. And they have no incentive uh, to try to bargain in our favor. It's a great point. <laughs> that's it's a t- that's a tough that's a tough market over there. Um, but I think it's a fair point. I think it's a fair point. So in some areas you're seeing improvement, Dave, but in other areas it's just denigrating. Well, you know what? I'm 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 not going to say I'm seeing improvement everywhere, but I think the uh, the 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 lowering of prices is taking longer uh, with unions. But we're, we're talking about a war between the people who hire and the people who work uh, for hundreds of years uh, in the 60s and 70s. Working people were doing pretty well. Unions were strong. Um, and then there was the strike against the uh, airline, uh, uh, oh God, Ronald Reagan and the, the, the airline controllers. Uh, and it, we kind of took a turn then. And there's been this belief that somehow if we pay you less, somehow you'll do better. Somehow you'll make more. And a great number of American workers have bought into that BS. So uh, it, we got a fight on our hands and it's not just us. Yeah. Um, Geddes, I want to bring you into the conversation. And I know several of our panelists or all uh, we'll have a, a story to tell. Get us, you've been in the industry for a few years now. Have you experienced any discrimination, either blatant in the studio or on a directed session? Just based on the color of your skin, did you have an experience where maybe you lost a job? I know Dave already gave an example earlier, you know, where you were not hired for a job. And if so, how did you handle that? Well, to be honest with you and everybody else that's watching this, um, I have not had that kind of stuff on on the start of my career in voiceover and puppetry since 2017. Um, they haven't judged me for my for my African American appearance, for my for my for my attitude, for for everything in general that's happening to us right now. I haven't had that kind of problem in a while. Well, I'm I am encouraged to hear that. I'll have to be <laughs> I'll be honest. Terry, what about you? Have you had any experience with outright discrimination as far as in the voiceover industry? I've had a casting director tell me dubbing um that they would call me when they had an African American role for me. Ouch. Okay then. <laughs> How was that? Not any other, not any other role. <laughs> so yeah. That's the that's my Michael, opinion. how about you? No, I have had these issues in other industries. I've worked in a lot of industries in my life, but I've been fortunate that at least in the voiceover community, 
that I've been aware of that hasn't happened to me. Um, obviously we don't know what happens behind closed doors, but I'm, I'm very grateful for my career and the way people have treated me in the studios, in the sessions and everywhere else. So I'm happy to say no, not in this industry. But it's definitely happened in other ones. Oh yeah, let's That's not yeah, let's day. not be yeah, let's, <laughs> let's not gloss this over. There, there, there. Exactly, exactly. No. Shaquana, we're getting ready to hit our thirty minute uh we're at the half hour. Shaquana, have you had any experience with discrimination, racism in the voiceover industry? Uh same as Michael, I would say not that I know of. But if I was not hired for being black, my name would be a dead giveaway. So uh I, I would never know. Like, it's not like my name is Kim and I and I go onto a session and they see that I'm black and they're just like, OK, great. And then if later I'm like, hey, would you mind sharing the project with me? I'd love to have it for my portfolio. They're like, oh, sorry, we went another direction. That doesn't that has not happened to me. I hope it never happens. I have, though, had some people I, when I do a directed session, I'm not on camera because I'm sweating so much from the heat and the nerves. But when I turn my camera on at the end, like to say thank you and goodbye, they're like, oh my God, there she is. They make me feel like a real celebrity. So I can't say that has happened, but not not the opposite. Okay, okay, all right. Um, all right, well, let's keep going here. So Michael, you brought up a really, really great point um, that I wanna touch on that we were talking about. Are you finding that black talent are finding their voice in other areas of the voiceover industry where they historically had not been? So we, I, of course, think of Portia Scott um, coming forward, but you, uh, just to kind of just circle back, you said we're still struggling with the producers, the directors, the game developer, like really this, um, you know, I I was in another room uh, on a, as part of a, um, wasn't black voices specifically, but it was more of black um, uh, creatives in the industry. And it was so interesting because they're like, yeah, when you think of a black creative, you think a rapper, a writer, you know, there was kind of these, like you said, these stereotypical job types, right? That that's just what they should fit into, that they should fit into that, right? But but it's it, that we need an, a boost in the industry, in, in, in the creative directors, in the producers and those kinds of things. So you know, you said they're hard to find, but is there, are you seeing efforts to make a difference in that area? Uh, there's not enough effort, I'll say. There needs to be more. And I think we all kind of do it internally amongst ourselves in terms of African-Americans. We build our own communities, cultures, tribes, where it's like, I see you. And, um, I'll give you a specific example. A good friend of mine now, Jason Lanier White, when I was brand new to the industry, he took me in and he mentored me. And it wasn't a thing where, you know, he was, I was paying to be coached or anything. He was just like, you're, you're a young black guy about my age, trying to make it in here. Let me tell you what works, what doesn't. And he spent time guiding me in my career. And I'm forever grateful for that. And now that um, he helped me, I later would see him in the same auditions. And the reason I make this point is Jason was essentially training me to be his competition because we're about the same age, same vocal tone, you know, all that same background, but he didn't care because he wanted me to win. And that to me is what we do internally uh, to help each other, to, to lift each other up. And so for sure now there are several people I mentor 
I don't charge them one cent. I just, you know, give them my time. And I do exactly what Jason did for me because it was life changing. Because sometimes you just have a question and, you know, you don't want to pay three, four hundred dollars for a coaching session to just get some basic information. And he did that for me. And I do my best to do that for the next generation. So I think if there were more opportunities like that for mentors, then we would grow. But the problem, going back to your original question, is there aren't a lot of mentors for those producers, those casting directors, those all those other positions. So the way I see it, it's for us, you know, maybe my future goal and Dave's and all of us to become those roles, the producers, the owners of the the material, to to then hire the next generation who comes behind us and mentor them. And I think that's where the future needs to be is 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 more opportunities and more mentoring to get there. That's excellent. I know you need leadership, right? You need you need people's in, people in positions who have been there who can do that and who can mentor. Yeah, it's, it can't be all ground level because you don't rise up, right? Exactly. And I'll say real quick before you go on to the next one, that's what Dave Fenoy was for me too. Because I looked at him, I looked at people in the VO career, uh, the voiceover industry. I'm like, who do I want my career to be like? And Dave, whether he knows it or not, <laughs> indirectly mentored me because I I I wanted to be like he was. And when I finally got to meet him, he was very nice and kind. And same thing like Jason, just very open and sharing and giving of his knowledge and wisdom. And I'm forever grateful to people like him who came before us who paved that way. I have met other people who are African-American in the industry that were not kind that I looked up to. And I won't name drop because I'm not a hater in here, but I've met high level celebrities that have done voices for years that I've met in person and they were jerks. They did not send the ladder back down. So kudos to you, Dave Fenoy, for sending the ladder back down. <laughs> well, Michael, thank you. And and give me back some of my work, man. Uh, but, but seriously, uh, you know, not just being a black voice, but being a voice. This is really a part of who we are as voice actors. Um, I had like Don LaFontaine and, and, and several others who were at the top of their game, who did exactly what you're talking about. Uh, they would befriend you, mentor you, talk to you, pull you in. Uh, and not always pulling you in and giving you advice, but just letting you be in the room where the other cats who were doing a lot of work were, and you became a part of the group. And psychologically, that has just an immense effect on how you feel. Uh, I remember when I came to LA in 90, I was a new guy, uh, new guy and black. And somewhere along the way, I don't know when it happened, I became one of the guys. And somewhere along the way, I'm not quite sure when it happened, I became uh, someone that people looked up to, somebody that that people would come up to me, especially Black voice talent. I want to be like you. Man, I've been watching you for years. Um, I wasn't aware that was happening. All I was trying to do was have a career. Uh, but I think we do that in voiceover more than just about any other profession. 
That's encouraging. Yeah, that's encouraging here. And I was going to ask you because you, what you said, uh, do you think there is a fear, an insecurity for some folks um, to try to get into this industry or try to aspire to what you or Michael, other actors in this room are doing? Do you think there's kind of a, some, I don't know, a roadblock, a, a mental well, block? You know, I, I think people uh, often have mental blocks about uh, doing whatever it is that they'd like to do. Uh, they have self-doubts. And at some point, uh, you either have to get over your self-doubts or get around them. Uh, I, I think with a lot of us, they come back. I tell students of mine all the time that there are going to be some things that just make sense to you and you're going to do it and have it and um, feel comfortable. And there are going to be some scripts that you're scratching your head and wondering. And there are going to be ups and downs in this business. I know I've had mine and I've seen other people have theirs, sometime to the point of uh, getting out of the industry altogether. Uh, but if you, you have to understand that as long as you keep stepping up and keep trying to improve yourself, uh, it can always come back. I've seen it with myself. I've seen it with other people as well. Uh, but you can't give up. That's right. That's key. Persevere. So Dave, before I before you move on real quick, and I'll pop over around to different people. So let's talk about performance a little bit. And what do you say to, I call them ignorant, producers or directors, because you've told stories before, Dave, so I know you have an answer for this, whose feedback to you is to sound more black or more urban when, and you're like becoming this exaggerated, I don't even know, like a character voice of some sort. How do you handle that? Well, you know, I finally, I understood what they were talking about. And on one hand, I'm fine with playing characters that are, you know, highly educated and uh, black and characters that maybe didn't go to school and are black. That That's not a problem. You can find, uh, you can find uh, wisdom and valor in any character. But you would get people that uh, they didn't want to say, hey, can can you... We really want you to be ghetto-ish or this or that. You always would hear, can you make it blacker? Can you make it more urban? Uh, which is a euphemism for black. And I finally started saying to people, look, I don't know what you mean. I know what they meant, but I had to tell them, look, I don't know what you mean. And would you ever ask a white actor to make it whiter? No. You would have some other uh, adverbs and adjectives for what you were looking for. Uh, what this person's profession is, their level of education, where they're from, so forth and so on. Uh, stop looking at us as this monolithic group of people who can jump into uh, that sound that you think is us. Uh, and I didn't do it with rancor. It's a look, uh, I'm educating you. I don't know what you mean. Uh, we got black professors. I've played that. I've I, I played uh, blues singers from the Delta. Never had a chance to go to school. What do you want? Where is this person from? Tell me more about who this character is, and then I can give it to you. How about you, Shaquana? Have you been asked to, as a female black actor, have you been asked to put on a, a, a character voice that wasn't authentic? I I have, but it wasn't for a job. It was actually like in a workshop. Um, I was asked in the beginning, though, like, can you can you do that? And I was like, I can, but it's uncomfortable because it's not really who I am. I don't I don't speak like that, because even when 
people are like, oh, where are you from? I say, I say New York. And they're like, okay, I hear it a little bit. And I'm like, and then they say where? And I go, Harlem. And that's when they hear it. They hear it in the Harlem. But I can't just, I, I don't even know where to start to try to do that, honestly. I've seen scripts where it was like broken English. And I'm like, how does anybody even read this? Like, I don't even know what to do with this to try to do it. So I say, I said that in the beginning of the workshop and then I was kind of asked to do it anyway. So I was like, I don't, just like Dave said, I don't understand what you're asking me to do. And the reason why I said that was because I already told you I don't do that. So I don't understand why you're asking me to do it because I already told you I don't. Thank goodness. But, the, thank goodness. The white guy didn't try and impersonate what that'd be yeah, a bad that'd line be, right right <laughs> terry how about you have you been have you been asked to more put on more of a character voice that wasn't authentic and but not being a you know playing a character you know i have one of those sounds where the minute you hear me speak you already know that i'm black so i don't get that a lot what i have to do is do it the other way a lot of times because where I am, we have a very strong accent in D.C. It's different than most of the countries, but it's very unique to D.C. So when I do other things, I have to definitely dial that back quite a bit. Minority. Are you being asked to do that? Like, are they saying neutralize your voice? What's that terminology look like? <laughs> Whiten it up. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was waiting for. Caucasianized. Oh, no, no, no. The keyword is suburban. It's suburban. It's not, they don't say white made up. They say hey, that's a good one. That's suburban. the opposite of urban, right? Suburban, suburban. yeah. <laughs> Find your inner soccer mom, Terry. If you could do that, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> Dennis, how about you? You do all kinds of characters as part of your voiceover um career you're doing puppetry you're doing voice acting do you find that you automatically maybe change your voice um to be more neutral to be more suburban or do you just stay authentic to yourself how do you kind of approach your delivery we can't hear you unmute there you are well well i i i approach my vocal abilities to be a both authentic and character creative at the same time, because because um, in puppetry I I change my voice whenever I put on put on a a puppet with a different personality, a different uh, background, appearance, and and here to here to give an example, I speak like this. That that's from one of my very first puppets that I got from. Uh, from back in the Brooklyn puppet conspiracy. Love that. That was, <laughs> that was great. And that was totally, I, yeah, there wasn't, it didn't lean either way. That's wonderful. Good job. Uh, Michael, back to you. Are you finding that, um, so do you find that black voices are finding a place internationally? Obviously video games are huge, but, are you know? Are we? Ta I'm talking commercials, other work. Are you finding that there that the industry is growing beyond just kind of the U.S.? Absolutely. Um, I'm fortunate. I have several international um, agents that look for specifically black voices um, from both Europe and Nigeria. 
I also got some offers from Asia, but honestly, their rates were so low that I was like, no thanks. <laughs> but um, um, there are great opportunities and, and also dubbing because there's, for those that don't know, there's a huge population of African-Americans, or I should say African-Americans, Black people in Brazil. Um, and for some reason lately, there have been so many shows dubbed out of Brazil. Like, I don't know, it's just been a flood and, and, and myself and several of my friends have been a part of those. Because of course they have, they want to cast and have to cast authentically black, and um, you know the original language is of course Portuguese. So so I'm finding at least in my career that there are a lot of opportunities in dubbing, um, definitely video games, and um, I I don't know so much in terms of the non broadcast stuff because I'm mostly in the broadcast area, but I, I definitely have had several opportunities and people that will reach out to me directly via social media or the website to, 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 um, work with me as far as even last week was Singapore and they did have really great rates. So I am working with them. <laughs> Score. So, yes. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's encouraging, you know, and I think that's a, that's a, you know, a wonderful uh, point to make that, Yes, there are other black people, other, you know, <laughs> all over. Like this is your this is a wonderful opportunity and to be and to, you know, stay true to that authentic voice and representation. I think that's great. Um, let's see. We have another question. How do you feel? Let's see. Who can I? Let's try um Terry. How do you feel about job postings that say we really want BIPOC voices, but anyone can apply? Do you feel like we're just kind of trying to check a box that maybe we're just trying to kind of meet the minimum criteria, um, but not really, or maybe, you know, sort of, yeah, like just checking a box. Yeah. I think when you, when you see some specs that say that, that's definitely, a, that's box checking for sure. Like no question. If you really want authenticity, you will ask for what the character is. Hands down. You would just ask for what it, you want to tell an authentic story. The characters must be authentic as well. Plain and simple. Agreed. What, how about you, Shaquana? Do you see auditions like this roll through where you're like, uh, okay, thanks, I think? <laughs> um not not really. Not that I can not that I can think of, but I agree with Terry. Like, whatever you're looking for, ask for that. Because especially within the black community, there's a certain like vernacular, a certain way that we pronounce words. And it also depends on what area we're in. I will see we need uh, a, a black female, but they have to sound like they're from California. I'm from New York. I don't sound like California at all. California is more laid back. You're relaxed. I'm in a rush. We're, this is this is Harlem. We we gotta move. So we we can't we can't really do California. I can fake it, but I mean, why should I? There's people that are black living in California or from California that can do it way better than I can. So you just led me right into a great question. So you guys are all located in different parts of the country. Do you feel your career has been impacted, either positively or negatively, based on location? Um, you know, just like you were saying, you know, so you're doing mostly New York City. How about you, Michael? Uh, for me, I definitely know it's, my career is better because I live oh, in California. Oh, really? Okay. okay. Um, and and I, I say that for a few reasons. One, politically, we have some states in our country that um, are trying to erase history, history, not just black history, but the way things actually happened, you know, pointing out ridiculous things about slavery. Anyways, we won't go into a whole history lesson, but 
um, being in California, a state that is very diverse um, and physically Los Angeles is, of course, where Hollywood is and all the studios are. So I think I have a lot more opportunities because even though I've had a home studio for years, even before the pandemic, um, they'll still ask you to come in. And I know that even though another actor that may have the same or equal talent that might be in, you know, Mississippi, let's say, it's like, well, Michael can come, you know, down the 405. So I'm grateful for that. I'm born and raised here. I was born and raised in Compton, so I, I stayed local. But I think if I was somewhere else in the um, in the country, I wouldn't have had as many opportunities um, to just last minute drive into the Jimmy Kimmel show and, you know, do a voice because they need me live in the studio. There's just certain things that you can't do if you're not in those, you know, L.A., New York type situations where you can get to the industry quick where they actually make the stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Shaquana, how about you? You said you're in New York City. Yeah, sorry. Could you repeat the question? No, I was just saying, do you feel like your location has impacted positively or negatively your career? Like, are you already like packing bags to move to L.A.? Or you or do you like New York City? You <laughs> like the access who you're connected with? Like, is it working for you? It it works for me now. Like, I'm in year two of my career, so I don't really know how far it's going to go. But right now it works for me. I've only had one person actually ask me to come into the studio. And that was like the second job I booked. That was the only time I've ever been asked to come to a studio. Never, never again after that. I've been recording everything from my, my home, but I, maybe it's that I don't do the work that requires me to come in. Like maybe dubbing is like, you got to come in. I don't, I don't do dubbing yet. But I mean, if I get more into it and I have to move, it would be a consideration. Okay. How about you, Geddes? Are you are you doing all right in Brooklyn? He's giving us a thumbs up. <laughs> Unmute yourself. Unmute yourself. Oh, it is all right. It sure is. <laughs> That's excellent. Terry, you're in D.C. There's a good contingent of voice actors in the D.C. area. So how's that working out for you? Yeah, I had no idea about that before I began. So that's that was a very pleasant discovery to find out that there were actually, you know, a good amount of us here. Um, as far as the voiceover work is concerned, I don't think I've had any issues with um, with like at least having auditions, trying to and trying to find opportunities for work. Um, I have bi-coastal agents, so I see the work from L.A. I see the work in New York. Um, if I had decided to pursue the on camera thing, that would be a different animal. That makes sense. Now, I'm curious, are any of you bilingual or multilingual? No. No. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I was just curious. I was like, I just... You wonder. know, I, I speak French a little bit, but not well enough to work in the okay. language. But I do a pretty good French accent, didn't I? <laughs> I would buy your wine, Dave. I'm in. I'd buy, <laughs> oh, I'd you buy your baguette. So you, <laughs> you're in with me. There was, there was something you, you were mentioning, and we come to this with our own individual uh, group of talents. Um, get us being a voice for puppets, uh, playing a wide range of characters for those puppets that certainly aren't necessarily uh, racially specific. Um, and I know for myself, I play a wide range of characters from different places with different um, attitudes, voice prints, accents. Uh, 
but it's not for everybody. And I think sometimes uh, we have to recognize that we all come to this with different skills. Um, I, I think of uh, the late great Don LaFontaine, who basically only did Don LaFontaine. Of course, he made the most money of anybody in voiceover. Uh, but there's those who just do that one thing, and there's many of us that do a variety of things. Uh, but as Black people, uh, we would like to work as much as our white or any other counterpart in this business without being judged for, well, they're Black, maybe not. Uh, and, I, and I have seen the change. I, I think the biggest change for me was uh, during the pandemic, after George Floyd, uh, when people really started paying attention uh, to how Black people are really treated and have been treated for centuries in this country. I'm, I mean, I'm encouraged. I, I know we have 10,000 million miles to go, but I am encouraged that you're seeing positive change, for sure. Well, you know, um, two steps forward, one step back. I, I right. think the political landscape right now, uh, there are a whole lot of people trying to take a step or two or three back. Uh, it was mentioned, uh, the states that want to forget about history and don't want mm -hmm. uh, our history as Black people uh, told, or I should say the history of this country concerning right. Black people told, uh, because it, it does not reflect upon their their folks positively. That's right. That's right. Um, so, Dave and Michael, we're, we, oh my gosh, we're almost at an hour. I, this has been incredible, I, I, and I would love to just keep going, um, but I respect your time and our audience's time. I'm curious, as far as like the mentoring that you brought up, Michael, and, and what, you know, you looking up to Dave and things like that, are there are there places folks can reach out to? I mean, does is does not may would Nava create something, or are there area places where young folk, younger people, or even people new to the industry can go to connect with other Black actors or mentors in the voiceover industry? Um, I would say one, it happens organically. It's best to happen in person, so I would encourage them to come to the um, conferences they have all over the country. Um, yes, NAVA does have free education opportunities or by donation, I should say, sometimes. Um, and NAVA has a whole panel. I'm actually on the board for NAVA, for those that don't know. And we have a whole section on diversity, equity, inclusion on our website, on the NAVA website. So you can check that out. And it has resources for you to find um, opportunities to get on rosters, opportunities to network, opportunities to meet other people. But I honestly think the best way to do it is in person for this particular thing, because mentoring is is a very personal choice. Like just because I'm black and you're black doesn't necessarily mean we're going to get along just because I'm black and you're white. You know what I mean? Like different people have different vibes, no matter what color skin you are, gender or whatever. So I think a part of mentoring um, comes organically and to organically find a mentor there's an element that kind of needs to be in person. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, guys, oh my goodness, this has been incredible. Um, I'm hoping uh, before we wrap this up that I could go by to each of you. And if you have any final thoughts, advice, inspirational tidbits you would like to share with our audience, and also tell us your favorite dessert. 
So Terry, can I start with you? Do you have anything you'd like to share with our audience, final thoughts or anything? And then also your favorite dessert. Final thoughts, just, you know, let's, let's, let's create what they're saying. The buzzword in the industry is authenticity. Let's create new authentic characters and get more work out there. That's, that's what I'm looking for. Um, and favorite dessert. That's a tough one. I'm gonna go tiramisu. I literally got it last night at the little restaurant we ate at. So we are now best friends for the rest of our lives. Thank you, Terry. Okay. Dave, how about you? You want to... No, I'm going to make you go last. You're you're so... You're like our Yoda. So now you have to wait. So <laughs> let's, let's go to Gettys. He's definitely Gettys. Yoda. Exactly. Gettys, can you share any final thoughts or do you have anything just inspirational or anything you'd like to leave with us? And then what is your favorite dessert? Keep on keeping on with your occupation. Don't give up. Be persistent. Give it all you got. And don't let nobody take that from you. And also, I love apple pie. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, wait. Apple pie with whipped cream or or ice cream or nothing? Whipped cream. Okay. Baby. Okay. I love it. I love it. Shaquana, how about you? Do you have anything you'd like to share with us as we as we wrap up this room? Yeah, I would. It's kind of like in line with what Michael was saying about mentoring, but also not really. Uh, when you go to the conferences, don't be nervous. I mean, I'm I'm always nervous and I've been to so many, but it's such an inviting community that you're always going to meet somebody. Like I went to One Voice over the weekend. There were some people that I never met before, but then there were people that I've seen before, but didn't really talk to. And I got to spend some more time with them. But like by Saturday, we were all hanging out together all day, every day. So, and all night long too. I mean, it was like four o'clock in the morning by the time I went to bed on Saturday. But the point is like, just be yourself. Don't feel like you have to fit in because somebody's going to see you, introduce themselves to you. And every time you see them, they'll be like, hey, what session are you going to? Me too. Come on, let's go. So just it's get probably, out there. And, and it's probably me. It's probably me <laughs> hunting you down and finding you. <laughs> Yeah. Get out there and you'll be comfortable. Uh, my favorite dessert. That's difficult because I love dessert. I would eat dessert before dinner, but I can't say that too loud because my niece is here and I always tell her she has to eat food before she gets dessert. But our favorite thing to eat together, we like to go to the grocery store and get cookies like chocolate chip cookies and then make our own ice cream sandwiches. So yes. we'll put like vanilla ice cream in the middle. Make sure the cookies are still warm and it's it's the best thing. I'm in. Okay, you're also <laughs> my best friend for the rest of your life. Okay, awesome. And we will be eating ice cream, yeah, cookie. What is it called? Ice cream cookies. Ice cream cookie sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, Michael, lay it on us. I know you've got something for us. I'll be brief because I feel like I was too long in some of my oh, other you're answers. Good. <laughs> As you move up in your career, bring at least one person up with you because they will keep doing that. And by that way, we build a stronger ladder for all of us. And my favorite dessert is red velvet cake, which if you don't know, is also called freedom cake and aligned with our Juneteenth new holiday that we finally got that represents the end of slavery for um, all enslaved people. Um, that's my answer. And I'll let you go on to Yoda. Excellent. Yoda, <laughs> give it to us. You know, I'm going to say definitely as you're coming up, help other people come up. But also, no matter how far down the road you get, uh, I think you need to learn from those people who are coming up as well. 
There are things that those of us who have been in the game a long time know, but some things we don't know. I know I've had a lot of help from people with technological things with my computer and apps and this and that and the other. So I think it's a two-way street here uh, doing that and uh, never get so old and professional uh, and know-it-all that you think you know it all. Uh, and my favorite dessert, I got a co-sign on the chocolate chip cookie with ice cream in the middle. Yeah! <laughs> all right. That is awesome. Guys, um, my heart is just, I haven't stopped smiling this whole time because I'm just, I'm loving the openness and the honestness and, and I'm and I'm hearing positive things and I, I know there's still areas where there needs to be improvement, but this conversation, I genuinely mean it was so important to all of us and I know everyone down below appreciates it. Um, so anyway, th- thank you for me personally. Uh, AB, I'm going to turn it over to you. I wanted to echo that. Thank you, every single one of you. I've listened to, enjoyed so much listening to your stories and um, I wish we could just have this all the time. I just, I love the chat. And um, so thank you to our audience as well for joining us and be sure to connect with each of us and our guests on LinkedIn. And don't forget to join the VO Booth Besties Facebook group if you're not on there. Replays are all available to listen to on our website, boothbesties.com, on YouTube podcasts, or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Be sure to share your comments, like, and subscribe. That really helps us get the message out so that we can help other people get a leg up in the industry. So sign up for the VO Booth Besties Monday newsletter so you know it's coming up in the week ahead, and you'll find some discount from our affiliate partners there as well. All right, I'm doing my best announcer voice here. Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. Yeah, it's our 50th live show on Thursday. Holy cow. And we are celebrating a full year of bestiedom. Talk about grab somebody at a conference and hang on to them. A year later, here we are because of it. For our bestiversary, you get the gifts. We're giving away besties merch to three random audience members. So make sure you're there. We're chatting about our favorite pieces of advice, and we have some awesome new things to tell you about. We've got changes, additions, and workshops. Oh, my. It is going to be a blast. And it's my job to tell you that it's all happening on Zoom, Facebook Live, and LinkedIn Live. So we're trying to move off uh, Clubhouse because we all have like a million bazillion problems with it. Um, and we'd like you to join in the community. We want to, you know, see each other and be able to see each other's expressions and just, yeah, just really build that community, that sense of community. You will find the link for Thursday in the Facebook group and in the clubhouse after the show. So, oh my goodness, that's it. Thanks everyone for joining us. We'll see you guys Thursday. Thanks so much for showing up, everybody. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of VO Booth Besties. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Well, pretty much anywhere they're playing podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook so we can keep the conversation going. VO Booth Besties. Yeah, it's a thing. thing.